0: In nomine Patris affiliate Filii, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Grant us peace, O Lord, in our days, for there is no other who will fight for us, save but you our God. The following is a reading from Father Alban Butler's Lives of the Saints. January 23rd, Saint Raymond of Penafort. The house of Penafort was descended from the counts of Barcelona, and nearly allied to the kings of Aragon. Raymond was born in 1175 at Penafort, a castle in Catalonia, which in the 15th century was changed into a convent of the Order of St. Dominic. Such was his rapid progress in his studies that at the age of 20 he taught philosophy at Barcelona, which he did gratis, and with so great reputation that he began then to be consulted by the ablest masters, His principal care was to instill into his scholars the most perfect maxims of a solid piety and devotion, to compose all differences among the citizens, and to receive the distressed. He was about thirty years of age when he went to Bologna in Italy to perfect himself in the study of the canon and civil law, commenced doctor in the faculty, and taught with the same disinterestedness and charity as he had done in his own country. In 1219, Berengarius, bishop of Barcelona, who had been at Rome, took Raymond home with him to the great regret of the university and senate of Bologna, and not content with giving him a canonry in his church, made him an archdeacon, grand vicar, and official. He was a perfect model to the clergy by his innocence, zeal, devotion, and boundless liberalities to the poor, whom he called his creditors. In 1222, he took the religious habit of St. Dominic at Barcelona, eight months after the death of the Holy Founder, in the 47th year of his age. No person was ever seen among the young novices more humble, more obedient, or more fervent. To imitate the obedience of a man-god, who reduced himself to a state of subjection to his own creatures. To teach us the dangers and deep wound of self-will, and to point out to us the remedy, the saint, would depend absolutely on the lights of his director in all things. And it was upon the most perfect self-denial that he laid the foundation of that high sanctity which he made the object of his most earnest desires. The grace of prayer perfected the work which mortification had begun. In a spirit of compunction, he begged of his superiors that they would enjoin him some severe penance, to expiate the vain satisfaction and complacency which he said he had sometimes taken in teaching. They indeed imposed on him a penance, not such a one as he expected. It was to write a collection of cases of conscience for the instruction and convenience of confessors and moralists. This produced his sum, the first work of that kind. Had his method and decisions been better followed by some later authors of the like works, The holy maxims of Christian morality have been treated with more respect by some moderns than they have been to our grief and confusion. Raymond joined to the exercise of his solitude the functions of an apostolic life by laboring without intermission in preaching, instructing, hearing confessions with wonderful fruit, and converting heretics, Jews, and Moors. Among his penitents were James, king of Aragon, and St. Peter Nolasco, with whom he concerted the foundation of the order of the Blessed Virgin of Mercy for the redemption of captives. James, the young king of Aragon, had married Eleonora of Castile within the prohibited degrees without a dispensation. A legate was sent by Pope Gregory IX to examine and judge the case, and a council of bishops and of the two kingdoms held at Tarragon He declared the marriage null, but that their son, Don Alfonso, should be reputed lawfully born and heir to his father's crown. The king had taken his confessor with him to the council, and the cardinal legate was so charmed with his talents and virtue that he associated him in his legation and gave him a commission to preach the holy war against the Moors. The servant of God acquitted himself of that function with so much prudent zeal and charity that he sowed the seeds of the total overthrow of those infidels in Spain. His labors were no less successful in the reformation of the manners of the Christians detained in servitude under the Moors, which were extremely corrupted by their long slavery or commerce with these infidels. Raymond showed them, by words full of heavenly unction and fire, that to triumph over their bodily, they must first conquer their spiritual enemies. And subdue sin in themselves, which made God their enemy. Inculcating these and the like spiritual lessons, he ran over Catalonia, Aragon, Castile, and other countries. So general a change was wrought hereby in the manners of the people, as seemed incredible to all but those who were witnesses of it. By their conversion, the anger of God was appeased, and the arms of the faithful became terrible to their enemies. The kings of Castile and Leon freed many places from the Moorish yoke. Don James, king of Aragon, drove them out of the islands of Majorca and Minorca, and soon after, in 1237, out of the whole kingdom of Valencia. Pope Gregory IX, having called Saint Raymond to Rome in 1230, nominated him his chaplain, which was the title of the auditor of the causes of the Apostolic Palace, and also Grand penitentiary. He made him likewise his own confessorius, and in difficult affairs came to no decision but by his advice. The saint still reserved himself for the poor, and was so solicitous for them that his holiness called him their father. He enjoined the pope for a penance to receive, here and expedite immediately all petitions presented by them. The pope who was well versed in the canon law, ordered the saint together into one body all the scattered decrees of popes and councils since the collection made by Gratian in 1150. Raymond compiled this work in three years in five books, commonly called the Decretals, which the same Pope Gregory confirmed in 1234. It is looked upon as the best finished part of the body of of the canon law, on which account the canonists have usually chosen it for the texts of their comments. In 1235, the Pope named St. Raymond to the Archbishopric of Tarragon, the capital of Aragon. The humble religious man was not able to advert the storm, as he called it, by tears and entreaties, but at length fell sick through anxiety and fear. To restore him to his health, his holiness was obliged to consent to excuse him but required that he should recommend a proper person. The saint named a pious and learning canon of Jerome. He refused other dignities with the like Constancy. For the recovery of his health, he returned to his native country and was received with as much joy as if the safety of the whole kingdom and of every particular person had depended on his presence. Being restored again to his dear solitude at Barcelona, he continued his former exercises of contemplation, preaching, and administering the sacrament of penance. Except on Sundays, he never took more than one very small refection in the day. Amidst honors and applause, he was ever little in his own eyes. He appeared in the schools like a scholar, and in his convent begged the superior to instruct him in the rules of religious perfection with the humility and docility of a novice. Whether he sung the divine praises with his brethren, or prayed alone in his cell, or some corner of the church he poured forth an abundance of tears, and often was not able to contain within himself the ardor of his soul. His mildness and sweetness were unalterable. The incredible number of conversions of which he was the instrument is known only to him who, by his grace, was the author of them. He was employed frequently in the most important commissions, both by the Holy See and by the King. But he was thunderstruck by the arrival of four deputies from the general chapter of his order at Bologna in 1238, with the news that he was chosen third general, Jordan of Saxony being lately dead. He wept and entreated, but at length acquiesced in obedience. He made the visitation of his order on foot, without discontinuing any of his penitential austerities, or rather, exercises. He instilled into his spiritual children a love of regularity, solitude, mortification, prayer, sacred studies, and the apostolic functions, especially preaching. He reduced the constitutions of his order into a clearer method, with notes on the doubtful passages, and his code of rules was approved in three general chapters. In one held at Paris in 1239, he procured the establishment of this regulation, that a voluntary demission of a superior founded upon just reasons should be accepted. This he contrived in his own favor, for, to the extreme regret of the order, he in the year following resigned the generalship, which he had held only two years. He alleged for his reason his age of sixty-five years. Rejoicing to see himself again a private religious man, he applied himself with fresh vigor to the exercises and functions of an apostolic life, especially the conversion of the Saracens. Having this end in view, he engaged St. Thomas to write his work against the Gentiles, procured the Arabic and Hebrew tongues to be taught in several convents of his order, and erected convents, one at Tunis, and another at Mercia, among the Moors. In 1256, he wrote to his general that 10,000 Saracens had received baptism. King James took him into the island of Majorca. The saint embraced that opportunity of cultivating that infant church. This prince was an accomplished soldier and statesman and a sincerest lover of religion, but his great qualities were sullied by a base passion for women. He received the admonitions of the saint with respect and promised amendment of life and a faithful compliance with the saint's injunctions in every particular, but without effect. Saint Raymond, upon discovering that he entertained a lady at his court with whom he was suspected to have criminal conversation, made the strongest instances to have her dismissed, which the king promised should be done, but postponed the execution. The saint, dissatisfied with the delay, begged leave to retire to his convent at Barcelona, The king not only refused him leave, but threatened to punish with death any person that should undertake to convey him out of the island. The saint, full of confidence in God, said to his companion, A king of the earth endeavors to deprive us of the means of retiring, but the king of heavens will supply them. He then walked boldly to the waters, spread his cloak upon them, tied up one corner of it to a staff for a sail and having made the sign of the cross, stepped upon it without fear, while his timorous companion stood trembling and wondering on the shore. On this new kind of vessel the saint was wafted with such rapidity that in six hours he reached the harbor of Barcelona, sixty leagues distant from Majorca. Those who saw him arrive in this manner met him with acclamations, but he, gathering up his cloak dry, put it on, stole through the crowd and entered his monastery. A chapel and a tower built on the place where he landed has transmitted the memory of this miracle to posterity. This relation is taken from the bull of his canonization and the earliest historians of his life. The king became a sincere convert and governed his conscience and even his kingdoms by the advice of St. Raymond from that time until the death of the saint. The holy man prepared himself for his passage to eternity by employing days and nights in penance and prayer. During his last illness, Alphonsus, king of Castile, with his queen, sons, and brother, and James, king of Aragon, with his court, visited him and received his last benediction. He armed himself with the last sacraments, and in languishing sighs of divine love, gave up his soul to God on the 6th of January, in the year 1275, in the 100th of his age. The two kings, with all the princes and princesses of their royal families, Honored at his funeral with their presence, but his tomb was rendered far more illustrious by miracles. Several are recorded in the bull of his canonization, published by Clement the Eighth in sixteen o one Bellandus has filled fifteen pages in folio with an account of them. His office is fixed by Clement the tenth to the twenty third of January. The saints first learned in solitude to die to the world and themselves to put on the spirit of Christ and to ground themselves in a habit of recollection and to relish only for heavenly things before they entered upon the exterior functions, even of a spiritual ministry. Amidst these weighty employments, not content with reserving always the time and means of frequent retirement for conversing with God and themselves and their exterior functions by raising their minds to heaven with holy sighs and desires, they made all their actions in some measure an uninterrupted prayer, an exercise of divine love and praise. St. Bonaventure reckons it among the general exercises of every religious or spiritual man that he keep his mind always raised, at least virtually, to God. Hence, whensoever a servant of God has been distracted from attending to him for ever so short a space, he grieves and is afflicted, as if he was fallen into some misfortune by having been deprived of the presence of such a friend who never forgets us. Seeing that our supreme felicity and glory consists in the eternal vision of God, the constant remembrance of him is a kind of imitation of that happy state. This, the reward, that the virtue which entitles us to it. Till we are admitted to his presence, let us in our exile always bear him in mind, everyone will behold him in heaven with so much the greater joy, and so much the more perfectly, as he shall more assiduously and more devoutly have remembered him on earth. Nor is it only in our repose, but also in the midst of our employments, that we ought to have him present to our minds in imitation of the holy angels, who when they are sent to attend on us, so acquit themselves of the functions of this exterior ministry, is never to be drawn from their interior attention to god as much as the heavens exceed the earth so much larger is the held of spiritual meditation than that of all terrestrial concerns sancte remonte ora pronobis in nomine patris et spiritus sancti amen, amen.